I'm Ty Tamel, and I'm going off script with Cameron Ells. The one thing every fighter wants more than anything is the footage. So for you as a promoter, because you hate the fact that you fucking lost, for you to hold back that from me is fucking criminal. You do not need cage warriors. You own a promotion and you own a management company. That's a conflict of interest. So I think moving forward to clean up this sport, you can't be a promoter of the largest show now in Europe and manage guys. Like you can't. When I got past the Paris selection, anyone that had to do a selection for a military where you the fail rate's higher than the pass rate, putting that beret on my head, I've never walked so tall and proud and broad. And still to this day, I walk like that. It is a feeling that no drug can give you. I've never had a father figure. You see, like Mike Tyson goes on about his coach. He's like, he's like a father to me. And I think, like, with me, I kind of felt like, I'm going to find my coach who's going to be my father. And he's going to, like, love me like a son and, and just be there. But I've always been looking for this perfect coach. And now I'm starting to realise the reason why I can't find it, because maybe it don't exist and I'm actually that coach itself. Cam, welcome. It's my podcast voice now. Just before yes. I was talking normally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bro, before we start, hair transplant. I've just had one, haven't I? Yes, Yours looks yeah. pretty mint. Six months. So hopefully mine will look like that in six months. Yep. I'm sure it will. I mean, it's, it's looking good now, but you're going to go two through... two and a half weeks now. Yeah, you're going to go for a shock phase in a minute. Might fall back out. Yeah, bro, it's hideous. What, completely fall back out? Yeah. Like, they bro, did I'm, say it'll fall back out, but... But I'm not even joking. Like, I got mine done, right? <laughs> and I walked out of there and I had... I had... Um, I think we had a grading in yeah. jiu-jitsu. And I've turned up, shaved it, but the, the hair's coming through. And I actually look all right with a baldy, mate. Mm. I always had this weird feeling that my head was going to be all like different shapes and that where I've been getting banged on the head throughout my career. Mm. And I'm like, I've probably got a right ob-shaped head. Mate, I've got a rounded head. Like, I've got like, <laughs> the perfect bald head. Well, you don't see it, do you? No. It's the first time I've shaved my hair off. And I was like, that's actually yeah, not my quite mate, nice shaped head. I'm actually round. like, I look good with a bald head. Yeah. People are like, mate, you look all right. So when it started growing back, I was like, I'm digging it. Mm. And then... I was at their seminar, everyone was loving it, going, mate, it's actually going through already. He's like, yeah, then a week later, it all dropped out, all where it's been done. But you're not allowed to cut your hair, are you, for like six months? No. So guess what? All of this is still growing. All of this is still growing. But you're bold there. But I've, bruv, I... So like a reverse... I literally went opposite way. I looked like a 50-year-old granddad. Mate, it was so bad. <laughs> I looked at me and then this was growing out, and I couldn't do anything. I think you can cut with scissors, you just can't use a machine. Yeah, but... At first, I was just like, I, I, I just literally run my barber and I was like, listen, mate, you're going to have to cut my hair. Like, I can't go out like this. So I, I've literally gone from looking good to now looking like, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. like mate, it's so bad. Like, right. when that falls out, send me a picture, bro, because no, all your hair is going to be growing outwards and your, your original, like, your hair that ain't been touched is there. Going to grow big. So then that's what happens. So now that hair's Maybe advanced. Maybe i start wearing a hat then. Yeah. Bro. But it's good. Well worth it. So you were a paratrooper. Yeah. You were. Yeah. What, what made you join the military? My best friend's dad. So what it was, I think, I used to play football as a kid, mm -hmm. and I was good. Like, my mates probably watch this now and go, fuck off, you were good, you were shit. I was good. I was actually a goalkeeper. I felt like I was chatting to Stas for a minute. He <laughs> told me he was a good fucking footballer as well. <laughs> that is me. Yeah, I, um, I was a good footballer. I was a good goalkeeper. I was the best goalkeeper. It's not a real footballer, is it? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I was the best goalkeeper around. And Margate. Yeah, bruv. Trust. <laughs> I was good. Margate were good then and all, by the way. 
We used to play West Ham and that. He's come down. But um, yeah, I. Uh, so how'd you go from a goalkeeper to a fucking nut job jumping out of a plane in a parachute? Well, I got bored of being the goalkeeper sitting there fucking freezing because my yeah. team was pretty good. Maybe that's why I was getting goal because yeah, my yeah. team was better on the pitch. <laughs> and then one day I was like, I want to be a. F- I want to play up front. So I told him I'd quit playing in the goal, went up front. I got injured, done my hand call. <laughs> and then they said, oh, he's changed. He don't go for tackles no more and all that. And then also at the time, there's this other guy, massive unit, Lee Pilcher. They put him in goal because he was the size of a goalie. Like I, I was always tiny. Mm-hmm. So they put him in. Mate, he's blinding. Went on real high level. Would I have been better than him if I suck it? Of course I'm going to say, yes, I am. Would I? I don't know. You know what I mean? Looking at the body... Body size, he was better. But yeah, and then my my mum never ever, and this is nothing that always haunts me, I can never remember one game that my mum come watch a football game. And I remember even when I was mascot for Margate, and you know, you know being a mascot for football is a big thing. Mm-hmm. I got a phone call at half eight. Mum's like, Cam, get down here. Margate, wrong. You, you're a mascot. I'm like, all right, mum. So yeah, go on and run across. I'm like, it's fucking eight o'clock at night. Like, it's pitch black. I've got to run across a big park to the thing. Yeah, go on, you want a bit? Not come as cheer yeah. you want. Just nothing like that. So I never had no support. And then, yeah, I just, then from that day on, like, I'd turn up to football and it was like, I'll go with your mates, mum. Go with them. I'll go with them. And I was always substitute then. And then, you know what the team's like? It's all fickle. Right? Everyone's mum's there, whatever. And I never played really. So then I, I resented sports like that team. And then when I could join the army, I knew, okay, challenge me. And then uh, my best friend's dad, Kieran Kira Morris, his name was, his dad, Nathan Morris, I said to him, I'm joining the army. He was like, I was in the parachute regiment. I was like, what the fuck are they? I was just going to ask you why the parachute, yeah. but this explains it. Go on. Yeah, and he was like... They're the badass, isn't it? For the real men. <laughs> and I was like, oh, at first, I was like, I'm being a Marine. He was like, see ya, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, listen, mate, the Marines get all their nice little TV adverts because they all want to look pretty. He said, but they, the parrots, they don't have none of that. They're silent and violent. <laughs> I was like, that sounds a bit of me. I said, well, it was crazy. He said, like, 120 people started, like, when he was he was in. He said, like, only, like, average eight or 12 would pass. I was like, I'll do it. Similar to selection. Then. Yeah, it is. It is. I was like, I'll do it. And he was pumped for it. He was like, yeah. And I know that he, he liked me. And I had, like, my best friend, Kieran, his mum and dad were a massive part of my childhood. Like, that was another safe haven for me. I could go around there when he weren't there. Like, I really loved their family. And still to this day, I'd, I would do whatever I can to help that family. And I would do anything for them. And he was very excited for me to join the Paris. And the more I looked into it, I was like, wow, these guys, they were maroon machines, they're beasts. And I said to him, I'm going, I'm signing up. And the first time I went to sign up with my other best friend, Ben Hayward, we turned up and I went to me, no, you're too skinny. Because I was such a small kid, bruv. Mm. Like, I filled out a bit now, but I was tiny. And they were like, you're too small for the parrots. And I was like, I'm fit, mate. I can run. They went, go put weight on. So I went and stayed at my mate's house for the next six months. And Ben's, now my friend Ben, I was staying at his house and his mum, they would like bring me like eight slices of chocolate spread on toes, not knowing <laughs> shit about it, just trying to get me fat. But I, I, I couldn't, couldn't, bruv. And in the end, my best mate pulled out because he was like, I ain't going in fucking army on my own. See ya. And he bounced. Unfortunately, he went down a different path to me. And then I I had to wait six months and finally got in. And then, yeah, joined the Paras. And that's when I realised that fighting can fucking resolve a lot of problems for me. Because as I was saying earlier, growing up as a kid, I suffered with anxiety. I think, obviously, my stepdad, if his van pulled up, me and my brother were nervous and I hated violence. 
I had a big mouth because I knew my sister and my brother could back it and I knew my mouth got me out of shit because if anyone wanted to fight with me, would I turn up in the park? No. I remember once, bruv, there was a fight I was meant to have after the park here with this skater kid and I was like, mate, everyone knows him today. You don't fuck with skater kids, mate. <laughs> like, skater kids are like, just leave them. They got skateboards, they, yeah, jump, they jump off high shit, snap legs, they crack on, knees hanging out. Bro, they skate skater boys are tough as shit, mate. I don't give a fuck who you are. I do not fuck with a skater boy. Yeah. And this kid wants to do me in the park. And I remember going to my other mate in the class. I said, listen, can you go to the teacher and say he comes home and fire school? Because I need them to hold me back. Because <laughs> I ain't getting what he did, but I was petrified. His name was Joe White. I'd never forget it because I was so scared of him. And then my sister ended up bashing him. Wonder if he'll listen to this. <laughs> yeah. I was petrified. My sister bashed him. But yeah, I Maybe um, not that bit. <laughs> then when I went in the army, I remember when I I'd been there six weeks. Yeah. Six weeks, brother. Like 16, I went from down south, living up in Harrogate. And I'll tell you something, mate, the Northern Yorkshire boys are some of the toughest men I've yeah, seen. I agree. You won't you won't get a tougher man in England than they, they, a Yorkshire bred. They've got the Northerners. Farmer strength, mate. Obviously, yeah. you know, I hang around with the Fruit Art Boys quite a bit. And most of them are from north, from the north. Well, north to me, it's probably the Midlands in real life, but north to me, yeah. anything's north from Bournemouth. Yeah. And I always say to them, like, they just got this grit. Bruh, I feel tough. like we don't really have that down south, and I'm probably going to get hammered for this, but I'm generalising. There's a reason why I call Southern this, Fairies, mate. This, like, grit, where they just keep going and keep going and keep going. Mm. Any tours? How many tours do you do? One. Just Afghan. Af Afghan, oh, wait, What yeah. year was that? Oh, wait. That's early on, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That was early on. We went 2006. Yeah. Then went back in 2008, 2010, 2012. What's one experience you think from the military or probably from that tour that sticks with you still to this day? Down my birthday, 21st. You're being there on your birthday? On my 21st birthday, yeah. You're out there on your 21st birthday? Yeah. Bruv, I think that this, this story now, yeah, was literally the changing point of fear where I find it very hard to fear anything. I think the only thing I fear now is me not getting to show people my full potential. Mm -hmm. Without sounding like a dick, there's not a man or a thing on this planet that can put fear in me. The only fear I put in is myself of failure. And the turning point to that was, I think we've all experienced being fearful of that guy that can beat you up. That's yeah. the biggest fear, right? Mm -hmm. And not being able to defend yourself. Well, I can defend myself. <laughs> but still, you know, as much as you can defend yourself, someone always is bigger and better and stronger who can fuck you up. Mm -hmm. So fear pretty much sticks with us throughout our life. I think the only time fear won't could leave you is when I had an experience where it was a change of like, bro, you're gonna die. I was literally walking towards walking towards death. Like it is is as simple as that. There ain't no sh two ways around it. And it was like, oh my god, talk about the army using us as cannon fodder. Like this is fucking ridiculous. It just seemed like the most stupidest mission ever. We'd been out on the ground. It'd been a couple of weeks. I was only meant to be out for a couple of weeks. No, literally a couple of days. Ended up being out for a few weeks. And I'm thinking, fucking, I just want to get back in. My birthday's coming up. I want to be on the ground. I want to fucking get, because we're based in Kandahar. Because we was, that tour, we was the 24-7 support group for the whole of Afghan. So anyone in the shit, we was on standby to go in and get out. So we had to come back in. I remember I was going down to the scoff house, everyone buzzing, getting the red balls. And I mean, yeah, mate, you know, <laughs> fucking proper buzzing. And then we're like, we call it the GMC, get massive club, like just get fucking hence. We've got a proper gym because we make our gyms when we're on the ground. Mm -hmm. And 
bro, we just had dinner and then we're heading back and I was like, fucking now everyone's got to get in the briefing room. My birthday's next day. I'm like, fuck off. Are we going back out? Got to the briefing room. It was like you began at three o'clock in the morning. Some local geezer, fucking Taliban, had, they had pinged his phone and he was an ID maker. Okay. So they wanted him. So like, we're going to go in, capture him, bug out. We had the Canadian Special Forces joint with us. <laughs> fucking funny. We had the BBC with us, right? Well, TV, BBC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were like, oh, yeah, come on with you. Like it's well funny, bruv. So next morning comes 3 a.m. We're on the fucking chopper flying in. And it was literally like, right, fucking, mate, this BBC report, big fat dude. Fucking, hell on, chin strap there. Fucking, like, sitting me. And we're here. We're going in <laughs> Like, we're going into the heart. Like, all this shit. And I was just like, and then fucking obviously me getting collared with him was like he was next to me and his camera guy so anyway the chopper opens there's imagine like there was like three villages we had to come in there was half of us platoon or people with us at the time would go to another so we're trying to like cut them off as we land the Taliban start shooting and you can Hear some cracks, so you knew they were coming. So just like to stay low, it weren't like massive, like fucking oh my god, like yeah, yeah, yeah. like you see in the movie. It was just like there's fucking activity, so just keep your heads low. We come running off, and then <laughs> but there's a wall. Like you had to do like this hundred, not even hundred meters, probably about fifty yard dash. <laughs> but it's like you knew the reporter was like fuck off. Like <laughs> I'm like, bro, you got to go, like go. So I said, just follow me. So we run, we run. I'm running. I look behind me, fucking, the c**t's fucking hit a stone, mate. Falling over. Fucking hit, falling over. Like, so he's fallen and he's like slid and rolled and he's landing like, he's like, I'm done, life's over. <laughs> and I'm like, get the fuck up. And I'm trying to grab him by his helmet and he's like that and his cameraman's trying to, we get behind his thing, that was hilarious. And he's sitting behind the wall and then basically what it was, wherever we were, they were, they kept popping up. So we'd get to one village, get to the next, get to the next, get to the next. Like, we was trying to, like, cut them off. And I remember being in, like, this area, and there were, we was, it was all quiet, and we heard crackling. Like, so we knew the rounds, like, started to come in. I mean, this uh, other soldier, we rolled off into the river, and then we get a message told, like, get out of the river. Get out of the river. There's fucking a case of the mines and shit. And put in the river. And we're like, fuck, get out. Anyway, as the day goes on, we're now in a massive line. We're in a formation. Everything's gone quiet. We're just landing. Everything's like squeaky quiet. All the people that were in the villages left. So you know now it's about to, like technically meant to go off. We land there and then word gets sent to us, our A company, one platoon, Charlie section, basically one section, so get to the front. We're like, oh, so I remember getting up, walking past all the boys. <laughs> Ding, ding, all row of us. We get up, we're like, yeah. So you imagine there's like a wall here. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. a building. Yeah. All here is open ground. And that's where we've been getting shots come from. So we've come here and we're behind this wall. And we're like, yeah, what's up? And they're like, right, what are you going to do? You're going to, you guys, one section, you're going to run out hard target and form an extended line and walk towards them. Advance to contact. So I'm like, so basically we're the fucking ducks. The wall. The wall. The, and you want us to walk, so they ping us, and then you guys can fucking run around and grab them. That was, honestly, the most terrified I've ever been in my <laughs> life, bro. And I remember being behind this wall, looking at all the blokes, and my mate DJ, he had the machine gun. 
And I know, bro, the sniper will fucking ping you first, bro, because you've got the big-ass fucking beauty, mate. Yeah. Like, he had a jimpy, mate. It, it sick gun. And I'm behind, the, I'm behind him. So I'm like, they're just fucking going to go ding, ding, ding. <laughs> and we come running out. Like, he went first. Boom, boom, boom. Zigzag can come out. And then I went boom, boom, boom. And in the section. And now we're all in Charlie uh, fighting, Dale fighting, fully, like, out. Good separation between us, obviously, because you don't want him to hose it down or things. Mm-hmm. You've got good, like... 50 fucking yards between me and DJ and we're just heading towards this area we're just like and bro when I come running round I literally was like run round boom 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 zigzag boom deathly silence it couldn't hear nothing I could just hear my chest boom 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 I was walking walking and I'm like and I'm looking and I'm like they ain't fucking come up yet they ain't hit us yet they ain't hit us yet that was the most fear I've ever been in my life. And I remember... Will you get across the cave? Yeah, so, bro, we get halfway across. We hit a swamp. Like, fucking muddy, fucking... I'm like... I look at DJ and DJ looks at me and I'm like... Now. No, now. They're watching us. Now. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're going to get done. And uh, when it's when I'm coming out of the swamp, that's when I were, we're right there. And I just remembered... Looking like it was the longest walk of my life, but like the, honestly, I gen, I generally honestly believe like everything in my mind was telling me someone's getting banged, someone's getting popped. I knew one of us was get, in my head gonna get definitely get hit because they have snipers and that. And unfortunately, one of our friends got hit with a sniper, went through one of our mates' eyes. That same bullet went through and went through another mate's neck. Like they're not fucking stupid. They know how to f- shoot. Bless his heart. Um, bless their, both their hearts. But yeah, like the. I just knew, like, it was just weird, bro. It was just a weird feeling. And then as we popped up the other side, I remember looking at DJ thinking, what the fuck was that? Mm. Like, what? how fucking scary was that? And it turned out, apparently, come over the radio, that from the interpreters and that, the Taliban looked, were looking at us. And they apparently, green flashes, leave them. Free, bro. Do not fucking open up on them. Really? And they bugged out. And then what ended up happening, I think the Canadians were uh, another part of through part. I don't know what what company or what platoon, but they come around the back and caught the Taliban guy. As soon as they grabbed him, we started heading back. Then it fucking kicked off a bit. Wow. Fucking, and that's when my hearing blew. So I, we had to run. We had to run back because we had captured this guy. Someone else had captured him. And then... I remember there was Canadians that were on this bum, bum line, fucking like letting loads of rounds off rapids and I've ran and jumped in between them and then the loudness and the pressure and that and everything going off, my ears, like my ears just burst, mate. I remember the pain and I was thinking, fucking hell. And I had like a bit of blood come out of it and I was a bit like, whoa, and so I was like, what's the fuck? And I was like, I can't fucking hear. And then we got pulled back and it turned out a perfect my eardrums and I'd lost hearing in both ears. And then... I'm not getting out MRSA and that, but from that day, I think changed changed my life in in the fear factor. I don't think you get. I don't think I'd ever experience anything like. I'm generally feeling like fucking hell, like shit. Like when we hit that, must that, have been scary. Yeah, right? that was that was, and to be fair, that was only the really really the only time I really ever really had a bad experience. Really. So you left the military eventually. How did you then get into fighting? I'd go for a real rough patch with my missus. She had had some shit to do with my best mate, like, basically fucked me over. I had nowhere to go. I did have somewhere to go. That's a lie. I could always go to my grandma's, but I've never felt so embarrassed in my life. So I spent the next month to two months sleeping in my car. 
in Whitstable car park, not knowing like what the fucking do. Like all my direct debits coming out, no money, nothing. Dealing with all my shit that was going on. And this yeah, is the yeah. thing I spoke about to my cancer at the time. And and that's when I I finally got work with a courier company. I took in a fight. Neto would give me a fight. I couldn't train. Couldn't get her to turn up because I had no money. Neto was going mad at me. Think you're fucking better than everyone now because I said you're good enough to fight. I didn't. I was too embarrassed to tell him. I ain't got a job, bruv. I'm not a parent anymore. I'm like fucking, I'm a bum. I'm a homeless c- in a car. And yeah, fucking, I literally was just... Oh, I was in bits. And then I got his job working as a courier company, doing lorry driving. So then the hours I was working, I was, I was driving to France and all that, and I couldn't get training. And the money I got, I got money, and I went into Whitstable, uh, Tesco's extra, and I bought a notepad. And one thing with me, man, I don't really like working for people as much, not because anything other than my brain over-operates and then I'm like looking at your company, I'm like, you're doing this wrong, that wrong, that wrong. So what I decided to do is start my own courier company and I wrote everything wrong with this company and I wrote all the petrol routes and I nailed it down where you can get here, here and there and I'm saving your company now like a grand a week in fuel. And I did all that and I did it for a month and then I had my fight coming up. You'll love this, my first ever fight. I'm like, now I'll be there and he's like, be at the gym. And like, he's not talking to me. But he wants me to come and have this fight to get weighed in <laughs> to teach me a lesson to say, listen, my fucking, no matter who you think you are, yeah, yeah, yeah. you need to train. So I turn, I said to my cousin, can you drive my car and drive me to this fight? He's like, yeah, drives it. What's he do? Fucking gets in a car crash. Right, writes my car off two hours before I'm going to be, uh, 10 minutes away from the gym, hour before I'm going to be fighting. My knee's like a balloon. The car's crumbled. He's written off, mate. I text my coach and I'm like, I've had a car crash. And he went, oh, that one. I thought he'd pull out. I was like, I'm going to be there. He'd never believe you then. Police turned up. I said, I've got a car. I've got a fight to get to. They're like, what? I said, look, deal with insurance. Got in a cab. Drove to the venue. Lucky enough, they had camera phones then. Showed him. and said, I ain't lying. Look at my leg. And he was like, she's not fighting then? I said, no, we're fighting. Because I'm man and word. I'll give it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went in there and banged him out. Fucking won the fight. What, what fight was that? MMA? Uh, yeah, MMA. First amateur MMA. Yeah. And, I, and I won. Won by uh, Armbar or Wristlock. And then fucking, obviously, I think one got the missus back and managed to move back in the ass. <laughs> and then oh, I yeah. started building my. And then I'll tell you what I did with the courier company. I went to my mate and said, You can have that. And he said, We're going to do it. I said, Nah, that ain't my passion. I said, I did that. Just give me something to do. I said, But I ain't my passion. And then I wrote MMA. I wrote my top three things I love to do spend time with my kid, MMA. Couldn't think of anything else. Put MMA in the middle, put a circle around it. Where can I make money? Promotion. That's what it lacks. The promotions are shit. So I started up a promotion and it become like the best in South East Kent. Number one promotion. Got it on pay-per-view, got it on Sky Sports. Really? Yeah, I got, I got what it. What was that called? Killer Cam Fight Nights. That's sick. I I've done a bit of like, the, only the white collar boxing shows down there. Yeah, not. I literally, and everyone was against it saying that you, you won't do it, you won't get the Winter Gardens and I did it. Within within eight years, I got it onto Sky Sports. I That's got it on really pay-per-view good. and all. Yeah, really um, Mad. Mm. But BJJ, mate. But, but, but yeah. The, That's sick. That is by far my... Do you know what? Right? When I got past the Paris selection, yeah, and I got given my para berry, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not even kidding you, and every para will relate to this, and it, even every Marine. Anyone that had to do a selection for a military where you the fail rate's higher than the pass rate, mm-hmm. that day was putting that berry on my head. I've never walked so tall and proud and broad and still to this day I walk like that and I know that I've got that and 
I generally love putting on my uniform. Every opportunity I've got, put my uniform. When I put that fucking machine on my head, I look in the mirror and I'm just like, I'm a fucking patriot. When I walk in the room, motherfuckers look at me and they go, wait, wait, fucking power there, power there. That feeling is a feeling that no drug can give you. Mm. And it's the same with fighting. It's an achievement that you've had to do, blood, sweat and tears. Talk to me about the process. So you start BJJ, you have some amateur MMA fights, you build your way up, you win a lot, you get noticed, you end up in cage warriors, right? That's the natural progression. You go through cage warriors and then how does it work? Does the guy from cage warriors recommend you to UFC? Do they come and see and scout? Do they, how does that, how does that process go from cage warriors to UFC? Well, I've, I've, I've been holding off a while really in terms of speaking about certain things. And in a way I feel like I've got to kind of pick my words wisely because I'm a coach now and I don't want to stop the, the opportunity of my students. Mm-hmm. However, you do not need cage warriors. And you don't need them. No, do you fuck? Because what I hear is you have to go through there and he ends up managing you as well, right? When you go up to UFC. The guy, there's a guy there apparently. Listen, I mate, no. Isn't, this is what I've heard. I don't know. All I'm saying, right, it'd be wrong of me, and this is where I think I've grown a lot, it'd be wrong of me to sit here and slag off the owner, Graham Boland. Mm-hmm. Because personally, I don't know his story and I don't know him deep enough to really have an opinion. But what I can have an opinion on and openly talk about right now is my personal view on what I believe makes it corrupt. And right now he's not doing nothing wrong in terms of there's no governing body. So what he's doing right now, he's not actually doing nothing wrong. And he could generally be doing stuff out of the goodness of his heart, whatever. But I'm saying from an outside point of view, it's it's not. It's not what that is. And the reason being, you own a promotion, Mm -hmm. right? And you own a management company. Mm-hmm. And you put your fighters all the time on your promotion. That's a conflict of interest. You can't have that. It doesn't happen, right? Go and have a look at the Ali Act, yeah, in boxing. The reason why the Ali Act come in, so to speak, yeah? And then you've got people feel they need cage warriors. But ultimately, like, cage warriors are always quick to put up, like, look how many fighters have come through cage warriors, Yeah. Out of all those fighters that come from cages and go to the UFC, how many of them are signed by the guy that runs it? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not, I don't think it's good for business. I think moving forward to clean up this sport and give everyone a fair opportunity, you can't be a promoter of the largest show now in Europe and manage guys. Like, you can't. It's a tough one because I kind of understand what you're saying about the conflict of interest, but isn't that exactly what happens in boxing? isn't, say, for argument's sake, isn't, or is it different? Isn't Matchroom the promoter and the manager? Yes, but they're fighting other promoters' fire, so it's fair. They're already established. They don't hold the keys to the bigger league. Oh, I'm, I hear you now. Okay, you know I'm what I'm you, I hear what you're saying now, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah Frank yeah. Warren put his fighters up against Eddie Hearn's fighters. Yes. Yeah? But what you're saying is it's one guy, it's one, all his. Yeah. So what I'm saying, like, put it this way, I've beaten fighters, I've won fights on cage warriors, and then they hid the footage. They didn't want the footage out. Why? Because I beat their top boy. Done him. He was meant to be the bollocks. I'm the fucking bollocks. Mm-hmm. Put the light on me. I earned this. I've got no backhands. So what happens then? Do you do cage warriors once a month, once a week, once a quarter, whatever, reach out to UFC and go, we've got these three guys coming through? Cage warriors have got a, How does it work? Cage warriors have got a strong base for UFC now. They're um, UFC Fight Pass. And what I found out UFC Fight Pass, UFC Fight Pass pay 
for whatever promotions on Fight Pass, mm-hmm. UFC pay you money now. That's yeah, right. So they pay like 20 grand, right? To help with the setup, which is great. You just got to prove that you, you're producing quality. Well, well, fair match. Fair yeah. matchups, that's all. So that's another good thing that we're on this subject because my show's coming back now. The quality of my show, I'm not even funny because it was just always me. The matchmaking, I've produced some of the best fighters in the UK. Darren Stewart was Killer Cam's fighter, not yeah. Cage Wars, Killer Cam's. I got him, yeah, I built him up for his amateur and his pro, and he went UFC. You got Mike Shipman, Killer Cam's champ, went Bellator. You've got Tom Tukanwa yeah. from France, yeah, yeah. Killer Cam's was born and bred, UFC. Like, that's from me. One thing I'm fucking good at scouting talent and matchmaking fairly. I'll take the two biggest bums in the world and I'll make it an entertaining fight so everyone remembers their name because it's about matching them right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so they get they get money and they occasionally put on fights. There's no doubt about it. They've got a good relationship with Finger Bob and it is becoming like a, a ground where if you win a... It's a natural feeder, isn't it? You win a title on there, defend it a couple of times. It depends really. What, and then they kind of look to move you across. Yeah, it depends. If you're, like I say, maybe... If, well, if you're ma- making him loads of money, is he going to move you across? Because he makes money if you're there. Okay, fine. As a manager, though, I suppose. See the click? Yeah. I see what you're saying. All right. He didn't own McGregor. He didn't manage McGregor. Imagine if he managed McGregor. Excuse me. I think, I think Paddy's he's one of his boys, isn't he? And what happened? Like, again. Have you, have you fought Paddy? You fought Paddy, didn't you? Yep. I fought Paddy when we both early, early on in our careers. Again, he had a lot of hype around him. He was unbeaten. I was brought in to lose. Like a story. Whole, this is Cage Warrior? Yeah. Career, basically, my career, brought in to lose. But don't. Because I've, yeah, I've, I'd put him to sleep in 35 seconds. In the first round? Yeah. What with? And a con choke. We call it Camacon the choke, where I'm from. Well, because you love doing it. Yeah, but. That is, thing. Yeah. Actually, one of my friends, Richard Tatty, named it after that fight. So it's got to be called Camaconda. Like, it's my thing. But I, like, I had like eight wins with it. Like, and one thing. You'll probably find out next Sunday when we roll. <laughs> I don't know if I want it now. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, white belt, like, I'm, known for, um, I'm known for chokes. Um, but yeah. I, you don't better move me around, man. I'm 97 kilo. Yeah. What are you weighing? Semi. You've got to be strong to pick me up, bro. You'd be surprised. But um no, yeah, I fought Paddy. Again, nothing really against <laughs> Paddy, but Paddy for me at the time I got brought in. Ran his mouth, beat him. I knew I'd beat him. Do you know what? I literally had an interview just before the fight. I wrote down word for word what would happen in that fight. It'd be over within one minute. He'd come out, I studied him, knew what he'd done. Knew he'd open himself up for the anaconda. Like, knew. It was like, poetic. Literally said how I did it. Come out, did it. Went over to the gym. Uh, fucking have got his name now. Yeah. UFC comes out now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I don't know. Went to him. He was commentating. I said, fucking tell him now on that mic what I told you. It's all in writing because this ain't no fluke. And he was like, he's literally called it for word for word. Paddy was like, oh, it was fluke. It's got caught in the choke. You don't get lucky and get caught in Anaconda, bruv. You get lucky you banged after winning the fight for three rounds, but he got done fair and square. He was young anyway. I was young. Like, whatever, right? You two aren't the same weight now, though, No. Fuck no, I ain't the fucking like him now. No, I know he, I know he fluctuates between fights, but as yeah, in Yeah, like he cuts way. down to lightweight and it's, he works hard to it. And like, fair, fair play then. Like, do what you got to do. But the only thing that like kind of got me so when I beat him Graham hated it like the owner hated it so they hit the fight bruv 
Everyone's like, give me the fight. Two so years. could I not watch that then now? No, you couldn't. Yeah, for two years. Oh, okay, I'm with you, but it's out now. Yeah, but only because UFC bought the rights because I got UFC fight pass, and all of a sudden the fight appeared. Yeah. But what pissed me off, I'm like, don't take away from me, bro. Like I've worked hard. Mm. Don't hide me. Like I honestly, I if you've gone in as an underdog, I honestly like that feel, warrior film. Yeah, I honestly feel and honestly believe. Let me just say one thing: Ian Dean from Cage Warriors, true gentleman. Nothing but respect for him. The matchmaker, and I honestly believe without Ian Dean, you ain't got a fucking trustworthy man in that company, on my experience. And I've spoken to many others and they're attacked too. Ian Dean, nothing bad against him. And the only thing that's really held me back from opening up on Cage Warriors is Ian Dean, because I fucking love him. I think he's a great human being, right? But the way I feel how Graham treated me, you didn't like I beat your fire. You was you wanted Paddy to be a star because he's his character, right? So you hid it and I mean, you did what you can and you've done it to other people. It's a tough one because you, the position you're talking from is someone that's kind of walked the walk, got in the cage for you're a fighter. There's obviously naturally some emotion involved because it's because you're a fighter. If I stand from the outside looking in as someone that isn't a fighter but is a businessman, he's just being a very clever businessman effectively, isn't he? He's, he's, he's owning... No. Both. He's a wholesaler and a retailer. No, because what would you determine as being? The, the, the whole point of art of fighting is it's authentic, right? It's real. The fight is, but yeah. those promotions now, UFC, Matchroom, all these, they're just massive businesses. Yeah, I know, I know, but that's like, what, this is what's wrong. This is what's, As a purist. Yeah, but then also understand it this way, like you're trying to tell people they need your show to get to the high promotions, but that's not the true story. No, I know. I hear you. Like, but it's, why, it's, why? I guess it's like me. What I was trying to think, I guess it's like me. Making my own vodka. Yeah. I not only sell in my own club, but I sell in all the other clubs. Like trying to get... But you know what it is? It's you asking me to come fight on your show. This is my deal with you. You're the promoter. I'll come and fight your top boy. Yeah. I'm going to try my hardest. I'm going to train my hardest and be a true professional. I've got my own life problems, difficulties, sacrifices. I'm going to turn up. The one thing I want is a fair opportunity to fight mm -hmm. and the opportunity that comes after. Yeah. So when I fight, the one thing every fighter wants more than anything is the footage. They want the pictures. And they want the recognition for the hard work that they put in for the last six, seven weeks. So for you as a promoter, because you hate the fact that you fucking lost, your guy lost, for you to hold back that from me and say, oh, no, I can't get it, I can't get it, is fucking criminal. Mm -hmm. That's not fair. And you're only doing that to protect your interest because... Your your fighter loss, and you know people fall away from him a little bit. So then, until you build him back up, and then you make out oh, it was just a fluke, but you hired that fight. And let's just if it's not there, it's not talked about. And that's what pisses me off. Yeah, and it happens a lot. Like Bellator is even worse. Like there's there's those we, we'd need another podcast. But trust me, I'm fucking gonna expose a lot of shit. How many fights have you had in UFC? Two. You had two. Mm -hmm. Both of those lost. Lost. Yeah. Where are you at now with the UFC? Are you still part of the UFC? No. So, uh, again, a great, great time now. Loads of people have messaged me, fighting UFC London, all this. I'm not going to lie. I, I've been fighting. It's been fucking devastating. Like, to get that close to your dream and be there and get signed. And, yeah, like I said, I was a UFC fighter. Not currently now. It's not the end for me now. Uh, UFC spoke to my manager after my last fight and was like, look, if he loses again, that's 0-3 in the UFC. He loses four fights in the UFC. Given his age as well, like 
he won't be coming back. It'd be too tough for him. He's got a guy on a fucking 10 fight win streak. Go away now. We know he's got the potential. We know he can be a superstar. This is what I've been told. Everything about you, Cam, your image, all of that is great. You could have 100 fights, right? I'm going to lose 20 of them. 80% I'm going to win. I'm a professional athlete and I'm fighting other top professionals. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I'm going to lose 20. Yeah, yeah. How soon? Five in a row, three in a row, one, two. But I'm going to have more wins than losses. Mm -hmm. Just the way it is. But right now, the first time ever in my career, I've lost two fights back to back. So they're like, sometimes momentum is not on your side. Mm -hmm. Like let's say you take another fight and something don't go your way like last year. You get really ill or you're dominating the fight and then you get caught with a fucking submission as it happens, right? I'm free, bruv. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So go and win two fights. We'll give you a brand new contract. What do you want to do? Okay, so so the path for you now is to go to a different promotion. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take two fights outside of UFC. Yeah. Um, Aim to beat those two and then go back and... Beat them. And they'll kind of have you back, that's yeah, what they've said. That's what they've said. That's interesting. And I, I believe on the word of my manager. My manager said he can get me back in. He said they've said that to him. And I'm not being funny, but of all the managements out there, if anyone can do it, it's my manager. Brandon Moreno is the champ, right? Mm -hmm. He got cut from the UFC twice. He's yeah, been yeah. back and now he's the world champ. There's um, another guy... Um, Yes, Julian Rosa. He yep. fought Paddy. Yeah, yeah. He uh, got cut from the UFC three times. He's back. He's now doing all right. And then my friend, Mo um, Modastus, mm -hmm. who's the light heavyweight champ of Cage Warriors, yep. just won the title the other week. Two fights out. He got told to say, get two fights, come back. They've just signed him back. I know now what I've got to do. And I'm not going to lie, man. I've had a hard time since like the way that last fight went. I could go on and on and, and I just have to be real right I went proper dark place and I've I've realised that that maybe right now wasn't the time for me to shine in the UFC because I had to be shown the characters of other people around me and be shown for the fakes and the not and understand the true meaning of why you are where you are mm -hmm. again you've got to learn from everything right so I've had a real eye opener to see how I get treated differently how people the sunny don't want to back you. And I understand some of it comes with it. At the end of the day, Brand's only going to really, really want me when I'm fucking at the top. stinking top, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm rocking it. I get that. But other people, like morally, I see characters in people and I'm just like, nah, do you know what? I know it's a boycott you now. Like, and it's fine. But, and again, going back to the other thing of the depression side of things, I, I felt that I did go back. I did, I, mate, I can honestly say, hands up, I am depressed. I have real bad days now. Like I get get down, and that's why I'm back in like in my counselor, and, I, and I'm trying to battle through with stuff. Like that's part of it, but it's me identifying it. And one thing I do want to say to people out there is that if you are someone who's got through depression, come out of it. Don't feel now like if you're going through a hard time that you can't talk about it because you don't want people. And one thing I didn't want it. I didn't want people thinking, oh, he's all suddenly now depressed again. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he's all oh, things that gone his way. Because it's part of life, but it's understanding that you can feel. Depressed, but you need to understand. It's such a, it's a male-dominated sport, I guess, but it's such like a an alpha sport fighting, right? You're fighting, like by yeah. definition, yeah. it's at the top. Do you think they're doing enough to encourage men to talk? But, I know you sort of touched on the military kind of not doing it. They go the other way. But with, with like UFC, with like the fighting industry, nah. can you talk openly to your coach about how you're feeling? Not really. Again, I think as a coach, 
the only way you, you're going to get your students to open up is by you ex- being open about it yourself. Leading from the front. Yeah, leading from the front. Talk about your troubles. And I don't care who you are. Most people, most men between age 30 to 50 have been through some form of depression or breakdown or, or, or something. And if you haven't, then like you're very fortunate not to have. And some might not know it is depression. Yes, so but, like some people, because that, that word scares people. It does. Because you don't want to get, oh, look at him, he's a downer. The, the depression is like a clinical term mm. where you you can have good and bad days. I have good and bad days all the time. Yeah. The, the depression element for me is much, much deeper. Like like there's no control. Yeah. That's what I see it my from my experience with yeah. it. Whereas like the down days, you're like, right, if I could just fucking go out for a run or mm. write some shit down or bring a pal, go and have a beer, you kind of come out the other side if, you, if you're having a down day. Depression's the one where I feel like you're sort of, you're isolating yourself. You see there's no way out. Yeah. And your brain wanders into other weird places. Yeah. It's a lot harder to come come out of, but you can. You're oh, sat yeah. here now, like, you, it's a strong message. How many yeah. times have you been through that oh, cycle? Well, yeah. It, and you've been at the top of your game. Exactly. And- that's it, yeah. The interesting about both your careers, mate, you've both of your careers involve like extreme challenges, struggle. They're, they're a type of fighting, right? The military well, and the yeah. UFC and the MMA. Why don't you just fucking be a golfer? Why why have you why are you picking like the hardest? What do you why do you think that's important to you to have like that much challenge? I said to you earlier, didn't I like that? I tried I tried to switch it up sometimes and go easier route, but somehow I took it pulled back into the to the hard runs. I feel like sometimes but if I sit down, I feel my previous life was I a fucking arsehole. <laughs> what do you mean previous? You're an arsehole now. <laughs> <laughs> was I like, was I, did I do real bad shit? What, so like this is the karma for it? This is the karma. Spend a life of just this shit. Fighting. Yeah. Because whether you're physically fighting or mentally fighting, both of those things are fucking, must be exhausting. Mentally is far more, far mm. more because physically... Well, as we learn more about the human body and stuff anyway, we realise the mind is... Yeah, I, I don't know, brother. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know why I just picked... I think I think it's because I I realise that we create our own fear. And the moment you stop fearing, the moment you stop growing, and in order to get better, realistically, you need to do the things that challenge you the most and seek discomfort. Like right now, I ain't gonna lie, I was scared to say it yet. I'm not scared, but I kind of felt like, and I want to say it now and I'll say it clear. I will win these next two fights, yeah. I will win these new, next two fights. And then either the USC live up to their word and give them my contract or don't. But I get to sit back in my chair and go, I did what you asked, but you didn't do it you. And I'm a man of my word. You asked me to go do it, I fucking did it. And I will do that. And as much as it has been hard, and it is hard, mm-hmm. and I started doing like a video blog of me feeling like some days it's been really tough. But I understand now that this is my biggest test and I've got to be, a lot of people speak words, but be the owner of your words, like own your shit, man. Like the words you talk, you can't just take back. So be that man of your word. And I've always said, I'm a man of my word. So right now live on this podcast it's been tough I will go out and I will give it my best to win these two fights and you know worst case no if it, if it did slip up and I didn't then at least I know You've given and it I your... tried my hardest but I know where am I going to sit back and lay down and think oh, I reckon if I had tried but one thing I also know when everything's against me and I'm meant to fucking that's it he's done like like that time when I went through that real depression 
Bro, I was getting ready to become a plumber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I took a big fight and everyone's like, this fight's make a band. I knocked out Aiden James on Brave. And then he put him on a six-fight win streak in the UFC. When I'm down, I fucking need that. And now I've, I needed a fuel. I kind of felt like my candle burnt by the time I got in the UFC. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of shit with people didn't see in the UFC with visa, for all of yeah, that yeah, shit, yeah. right? People know, don't know about that. That'd be f- for another one. But I feel like now... The fuel that got me there died out. Mm. But now the anger and the fuel I'm feeling now has refueled me what? to go back out and prove you all the wrong again. Where's that? So when you get into something that's challenging, say I'm out for a run and I want to quit, or you're doing something, where are you going in your head to get that fuel? Where's the drive? What what is there a particular thing you think of within your life or a person or a time that kind of gives you that that last punch, that last fucking rep, that last, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just not giving up. Uh, yeah, I just I think about all all the things that really anger me and upset me. There's some shit what that channel I, that. Yeah, there's some shit now. I like I keep to my chest and bro, I can literally. I believe in visualization, right? I believe I'm gifted in a way with my visualization. Whatever I visualize, I know I, I can I, I can achieve. And the first time I experienced the visualization was with the paddy fight. Mm-hmm. And I remember taking a fight and everyone was slagging me off saying he's going to get beaten and all this. And I remember I'd been to the gym, I'd run and I'd come out of the gym and I was driving home and I was holding the steering wheel and I, I played my music that I'm walking out to. I'm in the zone, I'll come down and I'm there. And then out of nowhere, bruv, I win the fight and I was doing everything in my head and I just burst into tears at two o'clock in the afternoon driving home. Like I was crying and I couldn't stop crying. And I was like, why are they doubting me? And I was just crying in the car, driving. I was like, what the fuck was that? until I've read a book about the secret and understanding how to appreciate what visualization is and there's different levels to it. And if you can feel it and emotionally connect to it to the point where you get that feeling of achieving it, like it's going to feel that satisfaction and it emotionally grabs you, you can achieve it and you will. And I think now I can really tie into emotional times and it upsets me. So I feel like with that visualization mindset, I now... We'll challenge that. And another thing, I, I spoke to a mind coach after. Nothing like actually like booking a meeting with him, but I just know him from out of Vegas. He's a Geordie guy. Good guy. Spoke to him. And, brother, I'll be honest with you, I need Aggie fights. I need someone to give it. I need the bully. I need you to fire me up. I find it hard to switch on on a, on a nice guy. Mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. want to take, take your soul as much. Mm-hmm. But you get me a dickhead. I've never lost a fight to a dickhead. Like proper, like, let's have it. So I need to trigger that. So I'm not being the respectful cow no more. So bear in mind, the next person I fight, be fucking ready. I'm coming for you. I'm going to say everything I can to rival you under your skin to get you to want to fill me in. Because one thing's for sure, I need to create my own environment to bring out that fucking beast in me. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I know it's there and it's still there. Because I get it sometimes when I'm road raging, I'll get out and I could fucking take <laughs> out a fucking row of cars. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know that anger where you just lose your shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. can just go pop. So it's there, but I just need to know how to get it there and keep it there. Because that's what it's about. When I come out on that last fight, bruv. It's, it's, it's hard to switch that on and off, I guess. I don't know that feeling, but I, I just well, I watch a lot of the podcasts with Mike Tyson. He says, obviously, he was living as that guy. You have to. Day and, day and night breathing it. And, and Conor McGregor said it as well about like losing his mind, trying to master his craft. And I was. And, and then you, you sort of come out the other side. But how do you switch that? You go, you got to go back there. You got to Even go. when I train, when we train, if we're rolling, if I'm rolling with my power, I train with Kieran quite a lot. And the coach is like, right, boys, go for it a bit. It's hard because 
we're good mates. I don't want to hurt him. He don't want to hurt me or even sparring. You don't, you don't actually want to hurt anyone because he's your mate. How many times have you turned up to, gone, gone driving to jiu-jitsu and you know you're rolling tonight and you're like, I'm fucking up for it tonight. Well, you, I have to psych myself yeah. up because I'm not naturally like that. Yeah, but you're like, I can't wait. I'm going to go hard. To, I'm going to, gonna, every show I'm getting it and you get pumped and you feel it and you're like, I'm buzzing. <laughs> you're getting it and you're there. That's you want. That's you. I, mean, I don't down. know if I'm good enough yet for every choke I get. But. No, but regardless, <laughs> you're there. Like I ain't tapping. Yeah, I'm yeah. fucking having it, mate. I ain't getting tapped as many times a day. I'm going. I, I go two ways with that. I go either the the anger route, which is what you're talking about, which I'm not as good as because what I find happens with anger, mate, or that severe form of emotion, yeah. I can't focus or think straight because it takes over me. As in, I'm not clear. And I feel like BGD, you have to kind of be clear. It's like chess no. for me. Yeah. So what I do, I go the other way. If I, if you've got me in the fucking like rear naked or whatever, I, I joke with it. I'm like, there's nothing there, bro. There's nothing there. And I play that game in my head as opposed to the, as opposed to the, because I feel like I can't think straight okay. when I get angry. So let me ask you something. When you drive your car, mm. I feel you've got an automatic now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you have manual, mm -hmm. do you have to think about changing the gears? No. When you drive home, I don't even think where I'm going. Do you ever going. get home and think, How do I get hell, did I go through red lights? Yeah, you know, always. But you do it, and you do it as a, of a technique, flawless performance. You're home. You ain't committed no offences, you're no, done. not that I remember. Now, here. <laughs> so now, the better you're going to get at jiu-jitsu, it's going to become second nature to you. So it doesn't matter how angry you get, yeah, you don't yeah. lose your technique. You don't lose your flow. I'm with you. So you're going to be angry and pumped but you're now not all of a sudden going to fucking do a wrong yeah, positioning yeah. Or, or attempt to rear naked upside down. You don't forget what you do, but that comes with drill, 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 drill until it becomes second nature. Once it becomes second nature, it doesn't matter how angry you go or it doesn't matter how oblivious you are to the situation. You're going to perform that way because it's your natural instinct. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I hear you, I hear you. So really that, the reason that's thrown me off is just through lack of experience. A lack of experience. Yeah, and yeah, I believe that the greater you get, the sharper you get. Like the more, like the more consistent you are with your training, the more it becomes your natural instinct. Like our greatest way I say it to my students, I say, listen, you take someone who's never trained, right? And I sit on his chest or now and I start hitting them in the face. What's their reaction? Yeah. What do we do? Break the arm. Yeah. That is natural for us. Right, right? I, I said this to someone, I think it was yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. We, we were, um, went for roast with that Staz and that, and one of the lads was there, and I was chatting to him, Lewis, about it. I said, the reason you find it so alien the first time you go, and I've not, I'm not, as I said, I'm a shit beginner. I've only been going a year. But it goes against everything your body naturally does. So if you're on your back and someone's going for you, the first thing your body naturally does is pushes your arms out mm -hmm. to push them off you. Like that's like your natural instinct, survival instinct. But you do that in jits and they put you in an arm bar and break your arm. You have to put your arms in and elbows in. Yeah. So it's like, it's the polar opposite. So do you understand why people say, you know, you hear the term, he is a weapon of destruction. Like he is, a, he, you're a weapon yeah, to society. Yeah, yeah. The reason why you're a weapon to society because 99.9% .9 of society, when someone sits on their back, they act in a natural instinct of stick their arms out. Our natural instinct is take to take it. the arm and break it. Now, if I sit on your chest, you're not going to, no matter if I'm punching you in the face, you're not going to think punching back. Your natural instincts will kick in. You're like, I've got to turn. I may take a Flip dig, over, grab yeah. the leg, switch back, get out. And once you build that into you, that's your way. So now you are a threat to society because society ain't training jiu-jitsu. They're fighting off natural instincts. We've tra changed our natural instincts, like you doing, like driving a car. When you first get in a car, you're like, oh my God, first gear, second, and you fuck it up. Now a kid jumps out, you break it. Yeah. 
I guess it's that whole thing about being a, a, a warrior in a garden rather yeah. than a gardener in a war. Yep. I know Jordan Peterson bangs on about it, but it's but it's, it's true. true. You you want to kind of be capable of everything. How much violence how have I it. had to go through to become a gentleman? Yeah, yeah. How much violence have I had to see? How much torture and not torture, fucking big extreme, but yeah, how yeah. much trauma I get it. Have I been through to be able to have a sound mind of I don't need that and learn from it? I think that the confidence piece is important. If you're confident in your ability and you're not inferior or you're not afraid, you're generally not as dangerous to society because you you know what you're capable of and you're calm. Yeah. Really. I think that outbursts come when you're f- afraid, when you're fearful, when you don't understand, when you the, the, the knowledge isn't there, the education isn't there about what's happening to you and your natural instinct as a human is to attack because yes. you don't know. That's, that's, yeah, my, that's out, my... Yeah, but... Look, look, experiencing it. Look like go to the animal kingdom. A bear will fuck most people up. Mm-hmm. You stand up to it, and that big, like, rah, make yourself big and create, like, yeah. But if that bear went, all right, motherfucker, let's go, you go, nah, you're trying to bluff it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's a form of panic and fear. Like, it's a last, last resort. Poker, I'm trying to blag it. When I was a kid, I'd shout my mouth off, please don't call me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all so always that way inclined. I've done that load. Not necessarily shout, but I've spoken in a yeah, like, quite like oh. a heavy, calm tone. And like really my arsehole's going. I'm looking and yeah. if it's, it's whoever's got like the bigger yeah. and normally they're yeah. back down, but yeah. a few times they haven't and it's game over for me. Yeah. But there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, let's touch on before we finish. So you've got an MMA team now, right? Yeah. You're the head coach. Yep. What's the plan with that? You wanna grow fighters, you wanna Oh I know without a shadow of doubt that what I am creating right now, I'm making, mm. and it's two years in the works, and I couldn't be more happier than the way it is. But I'll, I will have I'll have the greatest MMA team in my generation of life. I believe I will go down as one of the best coaches because of the team I have. I think so many people, I've spent a long time traveling the world looking for my coach. And I think that's one thing that attracted me to MMA, watching the films, it's like, I've always never had a father figure. I love my best friend's dad like a father. Kind of be that mm-hmm. to me. But then I left and obviously went in the army. And then when I got into fighting, it was like, you see like Mike Tyson goes in about his coach. He's like, he's like a father to me. And I think like with me, I kind of felt like I'm going to find my coach. He's going to be my father. And he's going to like love me like a son and, and just be there. Because I've always said it from day one, I'm the best student that, a coach is looking for everything a coach looks for in a student that's me and I pride myself on that because you could say to me right we're we're doing sprints Saturday and a hurricane could come in and you can't get hold of me guess where I'm at I'm on that track strapped with my belt wrapped around the fucking goalpost swinging in the fucking wind <laughs> I'm there bruv because I gave you my word I'm there yeah, yeah yeah you didn't tell me that it was off so I'm there like, I'm that guy I spent my whole career and I wrote a post in it not so long ago just saying I kind of feel like I'm been searching. I've, I've still to this day never found that coach, and nothing taken away from Neto. Neto is my Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu coach. I went off MMA, concentrating that he's because con- he was he's still active competitor, so he's doing his journey. But in the MMA world, I never felt found. I've never. I still to this day feel like I've never felt had that connection. Almost had it with one, but then distance and the way the gym went, we had to separate. But I've always been looking for this perfect coach. And now I'm starting to realise the reason why I can't find it because maybe it don't exist and I'm actually that coach itself. And yeah, so you're now trying to be that coach for yeah. others. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I honestly believe 
I'd like to say that my students would say the same, like if you was here with them. What I've created and what I'm creating with my team is something unique and, and is, as far as I know, it's not, it's not been done before. When people join up to a gym and they sign up to a membership, oh, yeah, you're part of the team, you're part of the family. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. Being a part of a team is not you signing a dotted line and saying, oh, I'm a full-time member or whatever. Being part of a team for me is far deeper than that. Being part of a team is one, the main thing, ingredient of a team is energy. Second thing is morals. Third thing is discipline to the team. Like when you give your word, you're there. You've got to have the same vision. Mm-hmm. Once you're all there and you have that energy and people have the way of that life, then the energy that you're bringing people together who have never met each other, don't know each other, but now you look how tight that group is, they're best friends. Their energy is unmatched. And that's what I did. So how I did it is my professor was like, you could be the head coach of the MMA team. I said, it's fine, but I'm doing it my way. He said, Cam, it's yours. This is Neto. I'm training at his gym, teaching his gym as well. So the first thing I did is I've spent a lot of time in this game putting my name out there. And I believe that my name is very respected within the MMA community as a promoter, as a fighter. Yeah, just as someone who's, I've opened many doors and I've done it all, all via myself. And I've had to, I've seen the good, the bad. I've seen bad promoters. I know red flags. I know bad managers. I, I've had bad managers. I've had good managers. I know all of this. So I got myself to a thing where my name is my character. And I believe that the people that really know me, that Cam is a man of integrity and a, a, a man of his word. And as I was saying before, today's society, we're losing those men. Like there's not many men that actually give their word and stick to it. Like own their shit, man. Like, so if you know someone in your life who is good for their word, then hold them close and, and keep that. It's, it's a dying breed. So I was always brought up old school in a sense that if you kind of shaking hands on it, that's it. That's it. De- like you live and die by that. No you look me in the eyes, shake a man's hand, you stand yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, that is a dying breed. That is a dying breed, I, I feel. It is. I and don't think. I hate it. And I I'm, I'm want to try and keep that. So what I did, I thought, right, if you're going to represent me, you res- represent my morals, the way I, I live <laughs> the my same life. Values. Same values. Same values. Everyone in the gym has yeah. the same values. If yeah. we have the same values, the same understanding, we'll get along. Because like you said earlier, I give 100%, right? So if I'm giving you 100%, you best be giving me 100%. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, that ain't going to work. No. And I've got to have an energy or connection with you. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't see or want to train how I train or do what I do, then we ain't going to work, yeah, mate. Of course. And that's, I that's don't want to relationship. Wa- yeah, I don't, I don't want to waste your time as much as you don't want to waste mine. But I know the ones that are with me will get there. Why? Because I fucking did it, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I created a selection. This is where it gets interesting. I've got a selection. You can't fight for me. So part of it is you turn up to the gym, you sign up. Yeah, yeah. Well, you come to the MMA. I've had people turn up. I want to fight. I'm a fight. I've took a fight. I got excuse me. I've took a fight. All right, good. You you can train here, like you can train in this because you, you signed up and that. But you do not mention this gym's name when you go fight, and you're not having no coaches from this gym to say in your corner because. You're not ready. Like, you, you want to represent my name? <laughs> no. Okay, so we stay clear from that. Second thing I say to him is, uh, just because you signed up on the line, don't give you automatically asset, meaning you're part of the team. you got to earn your right. 
So we have an we have an MMA class, but within the MMA class, we have an MMA team. Yeah, so yeah. I say to him, if you if you share an interest in saying like you do want to eventually fight, then make it known to me. I want to fight, and even if you don't, I'll definitely come and tap you on the show and go. You know, you show me a lot of characters that would sit well in my team. Have you ever thought about fighting? And then I'll speak to them and put them on the selection. But what happens is, after they've shown consistency to turn up to training without having to be hassled, like oh, my coach, my my good friend who's also a black band, Neto, he's the owner of the gym Neto, Danny Dell, perfect thing he said to me the other day. He said, if you want it more than your student wants it, it'll never work. They got to want it more than you. He said, like you always knew that you wanted it and believed in you more than anyone did. Because everyone else is always going to stop believing in you before you believe in you. And I was like, bro, that, that's so powerful. So with that, I say they got to turn up and I want to see consistency. There's three classes a week, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, be there. And if you make it known to me, oh, I want to be an MMA fighter, I say to them, you want to be an MMA fighter, then you better sign up to a full membership and get in the gi. And you want to be doing the gi, but or you could do gi Monday, sorry Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday too at se- uh, seven pm because we're at eight pm. So you got an hour there, and I'm in that class. I I train. So if you want to do it, you do that. I watch, see who actually does it, and then after a couple of months, and they're consistently there, and they're like, I want to, and they're bugging me. I'm like, do you know what? I've got a selection coming up, and I t- go to the, t- the two guys there, and I say, you on the selection? They're like, oh, what's that? They talk, they've all heard about it now. It's getting wind everywhere. And my selection is designed to test your character. Mm-hmm. And I do not want the most talented guy in the room. I want the guy that is willing to, the most Learn. teachable. Moldable, yeah. Yeah. One thing that I've learned to hate in life is when people say you can't teach heart. Shut the fuck up. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can teach anything. Stop coming out of all this bullshit to try and stop people. Oh, you've either got heart or you ain't. No, you ain't. You teach it because you know what heart, where heart comes from? Subconscious battling your demon. Is you understanding, yeah, the demon did say you're a pussy today. Talk it out loud and tell everyone. Guys, I ain't going to lie. I, I kept saying to myself, I had cramps, so I just pull out of this. I'm not going to do the 100 press-ups. I'll do 50 because no one's looking. Tell everyone about it and then we'll hold you accountable and we do it because we all think it and we all do it. And like, none of us are born good at anything. No. None of us know anything. No, bro, and, everything's taught. I was speaking about resilience with this thing. So you have to have challenges, don't you? You have to have, like David Goggins says about building calluses in your mind. You have to face these challenges and grow with them to build that resilience. Same with heart. You're not going to, if you're never put in that position to test how strong you are as a person in your heart and physically, mentally, you're never going to know. You didn't grow a heart without going through some form of adversity. There there has to be some challenge for everything. There has to be. So, yeah, I said to that, that's what what I do. I'm like, So what you're saying is in five years, we'll make a note now, or 10 years, or however long it might be. Yeah, yeah, I'll be, I'll be, back to this. I'll be the most dominant fucking MMA team. I will have people all around the world. And this is the thing. This is where it's going to get interesting. I will have people that want to come and join my team who have had pro fights and that. But guess what? To be on my team, you've got to do my selection. Mm-hmm. So I don't give a fuck if you've had 20 fights and you're a world champion in the UFC. If you want to be trained under me and do a camp through me, then you need to do my selection. And I'll tell you the reason why. Because my team does. And my team and my family, of they're basically like my sons, right? They have done the selection. The selection's over a month, right? I do what we do... <laughs> We do the David Goggins. Yeah. First thing on the Friday, we start eight o'clock. They do four miles in 48 hours. Yeah. Do the David Goggins. Yeah. They finished out Sunday at four o'clock. The next challenge. And again, going back to the David Goggins, you have not got to be the fittest runner. I don't care. The only thing you've got to do, walk or run. 
but you do it and you I, don't quit. Basically. I have times, right? They have to check into the WhatsApp group 10 minutes before. If they don't, it's a tick. Like that's showing like not, you're not disciplined, attention to details, everything. So I, I then I'm awake with them. I check them in off you go and you runs. They go in, they come back in, get your head down. Next check-ins this time, bang. They're all doing it, hitting their runs. They, it's all GPS Screenshot run. in the Screenshot, yeah, yeah, it's all yeah, done yeah, perfect, yeah. all in. That finishes. Next one fucking, this breaks, man. Um, ice bath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I've got a twist to it. I call it five, five and 15. Five days, 15 five. minutes. Five times. Yeah, five days in a row. Five, yeah, guess, guess what the final five is, stands for. I don't know what the final five is. 5 a.m. 5 a.m. Okay. So. I thought you was going to say five times per day for five days. 5 a.m. So this is the thing. 5 a.m. 15 minute ice bath for five days. You do If I told you you do an ice bath, you can do it any time in the day. You do it when you're most comfortable and you're ready to go. Well, I normally do it in the morning, but yeah, but most people sea, like, but not yeah. fifteen minutes really. Fifteen minutes up to next year. in the summer. <laughs> nah, done. Fifteen. We normally might do five minutes, six nah, minutes. Fifteen. Yes, yeah, that's you're not, not going to die. You're fine. Nah, nah, it's, it's all in your mind. So what we do Monday morning, the first thing they do, they have to be out of their bed, four thirty, no hot drink, no music, no water, just them in their pants in a wheelie bin outside or or an Ooh. ice bin, yeah. <laughs> They have to put in five kilograms of ice in. Yeah. So they have to show the kilograms of ice. It's all videoed, time lapse, yeah. Pull it in. They have to be fully submerged up to their neck. I can't see the shoulders. See the shoulders fouled. 15 minutes, they do that. And it's about them being in the pure peace and silence and understanding of them and who they are. There ain't no phone, ain't no music. It's just them and their mind. And then I'll give them exercise and say, this is what you do to generate warmth in your body. And they help. I don't just throw them in free fall. Yeah, yeah. I say, you can do this. The hardest thing is with that is, bro, they do it the first day and they thought it's going to be bad. It's fucking bad. It's everything they thought in the worst. Yeah, it's horrible. And then the second day, they're like, oh, fuck, I'll do it again. And the anxiety kicks in what? and they can't sleep. I actually think the second day is worse because you worse. all know you know you what's know coming. How bad it is. Yeah, the first one it's kind <laughs> yeah. of like oh, it might not be that bad. Yeah. It might be like, like no, horrendous. <laughs> so they do that, and then come the Wednesday, I'm like, you thought it was bad. It was. Now the it's second fun. day you've done it. You've done it twice. Now get your fucking mind it. Now on this day, and this is where I, I give them a voice, and I'm like, like the, and I motivate them. The peak and, in there. Yeah, and I'm saying I'm telling you now. So you're gonna fucking smash this 15 minutes. You know what it's like. You've done it. You're going to motivate your mind. Nothing to sort. You're going to get straight in there. I don't, I don't want to see any stupid faces. Control your mind. Control your emotion. Get in there and get fucking done. By the end of the week, most of the guys end up doing 15, 20 minutes. Mm. Right, but they all have to hit 15 minutes. They do that. Then what are they going to? So they finish that Friday morning. Saturday, they start the fast challenge. So I love this one purely because I think making a hungry man is an emotional man. Mm-hmm. Being hungry and being dehydrated really tests the character of your discipline. So then I put them for a seven-day drive fast. What that means is basically they can their first meal Saturday night at nine thirty. Yeah, nine thirty at night they'll have one meal and as much water as they like until four a.m. So they have that one meal. They could drink much water. Four a.m. Nothing, no food, no drink till 9.30 the next day. That's for seven days. Not Ramadan. Yeah. And that's why I do it also because I wanted to experience, I've, I've done all these challenges by the way. I'd never do anything and put my guys who say I ain't done. 
that was a real challenge for me. That was horrible. Yeah, the food and, thing would be tough. For yeah. Me. And the, Especially and the train as well. And most awesome. of them are got to work. And I'm like, this is discipline now. How much are you willing? Like, like are you let, allowed black coffee? Nothing. Nothing. You're only allowed one glass of water. Not one glass, as much water, but yeah. at 9.30. Yeah, yeah. They do that for seven days. When they finish that on the Saturday. Seven days, yeah. yeah they then, I give, they finish Friday. It works out on the Friday. The, the days work out, so finish on a Friday. They then have all day Saturday, eat well, like go back to normal. Sunday, I do a weight test. I weigh them in. Whatever their weight is on the Sunday, they have to lose 10 pounds by Thursday night. Okay. So I do an immediate going to a weight cut week. Mm -hmm. I, I tell them what to do, advise them what to eat, water load. And then on the Thursday night, they go into a sauna with me and I do it with them. I literally, I'm not even water loaded. I'll sit in that sauna and I've done like four or five hours throughout the night with every one of them to get them down on weight. The next day on a Friday, I turn up to the gym at two o'clock. So they do like go through the dry mouth at night, go through the experience of actually realizing what it's like to do a weight cut. They turn up Friday, then they do the face-offs. I then pick who they're fighting with each other. They're fighting each other on the Saturday. They then turn up on the Friday. They rehydrate and all that. They turn up on the Saturday. They then have a fight. We get all the people in the gym, the team kind of it's like a real up. training camp. Yeah. And then they, they will literally pair them off, amateur, so they have like shin guards on, gloves and all that. They do three three-minute rounds, and I say it's full on, aim to submit or win. I want to see what you like. Mm -hmm. They do that. Then after that, why are they going all through the selection? I'm assessing them. And then I'm also looking for their attitude and seeing if their attitude and their energy is right for the group. Because if it's not, and I bring that energy in, that's different to the energy in the group, then it creates friction. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a negative and a positive. We're gonna, it's gonna break up the the energy of the room. So what I've done, I, I come up with this two years ago, and I put it together. Now we've got a squad of like eight people. A couple of them got into the thing, and then their life's changed, and that, and it weren't for them. Because once after that, I then interviewed them. How do you think you've done? Mm -hmm. Like you fucked up here and there. What, do you know what I mean? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And a lot of them they're just like, oh, fucking, I don't know if I passed or failed. And now what I've done is. So that's on the Sunday, on the Tuesday, on the MMA night, call them out, line them up, split them up. You there, you there, you there. I fought with them this time. I put half them there, half them there. I said, right now, I'll let you know who's, who's passed or fouled. They looked, like, looked over at each other and say, <laughs> but they all pass. One failed the selection during it. I cut them away, just, just attention to detail. A bit too young for it, like just weren't there. And what it comes down to is that I know once you're in the team, you're not going to keep up and it's going to be too much stress for you. Yeah, yeah. And what it is, it's the life of a fight. If you really want this, yeah, then you, you I shouldn't have to t tell you to go running three times a week. So, and then I tell them, so, but this time what I've decided to do is like on the next section, they'll be lined up and I say, so Ty, failed. Mm -hmm. Or no, Ty, not today. Because you're not failed, you're just not being selected. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it's yeah. important that I, I, I announce that because you haven't failed. Just right now, it's not time for you. Mm -hmm. And if they don't get selected that time, it means down the line there's another selection, they go on that selection. I'll tell them also why they've not been selected so they know. I said, just feel right now you're not. Like we've got some people turn up to a man, they keep going, I want to do selection. I swear I'll bang people out. I'm like, bro, you're so far behind in the martial art world. Like, for example, you started martial arts to feed your ego. You're not ready. No, do you know no, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I hear Like, you. I need to leave him 
to keep training, keep training, keep training, keep training. And then once he changes his mindset of how he looks at martial arts, and now we're seeing it. Now you're creating that energy. Mm-hmm. But right now, you're trying to score points on your team. Your main reason to do this selection is say, so you can say you pass Cameron Nelson's yeah, selection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not because I want to join those group of lads that are doing great, that got extra pro- extra lessons with camp. Mm. Do Sunday, like invite only. And what I've done, mate, I've got this team now and I couldn't be more happy. And I said at the beginning, Mike Neto and I was like, bro, what have you done? Like, we, We're never going to have a team. I said, like, trust me. Just watch. I know it works because look at the Paris, look at the Marines. You've got to create something. Like anything worth having in life, you've got to work hard for. And now I'll create, we had one guy, right? It was a brown belt and Neto is like, he's very good. Like I think he was like Nogi, world, like a world champ and all that. He is good. Very good jiu-jitsu. Never done MMA. Won't come over to MMA. And it was like, Cameron, come on, he ain't got this selection. He's fucking like sick. And I said, no. I said, I've told all my guys, yeah, that I will not corner you and you will not represent this gym and not have me in your corner unless you do the selection. Why? Because it's important to go through what others have been through. You're a team. Mm-hmm. In a team, you don't get perks. Oh, because he's fucking good at jiu-jitsu. I said, I don't care. I said, you, you're missing the point of the selection. Mm-hmm. It's not about can you pass a selection. I'm a, I could look at someone and go, he's going to smash it. It's not a problem. I know he's mentally strong. It's about your team. Why would you want to come in a team and then go, they, do you know what they're going to do? And they go, fucking teach, but he didn't fucking didn't do the selection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. Respect. But now respect people it. understand. If you've been, wait, how bad is that ice bath? Bruv, worst thing for me, the fast. So you're creating. And, and I guess it's mixed martial arts, not just jits as well. Exactly. So, and I stuck firm on it and this guy took a fight and then Neto like, was calling him and I, in the end, I said, he was like, come on, camera. I was like, no, I'm not calling him. And then after I pulled the other guy, Danny, so I said, listen, I said, this can't happen. I said, you're making this, it look bad on the team. I said, you told me I'm the, I'm the MMA coach. And they're like, yeah. I said, he doesn't fight again. Um, and nothing against him. Like, I wish him all the best. And when he was fighting, like, I generally like, bro, mm-hmm. he didn't want to do selection. He said he didn't like running, walk. He just went up for it. He's a bit older. Yeah, yeah Okay, yeah. bro, that, that's fine. I'm cool with that. Like, I still wish him all the best. And he's done pretty all right. He's, mm. he's like five and oh as an amateur. He, he, he's all right. But it's the core value of my team. And, and what I say is... No, I get it. You, you, you're sticking, you got to stick by and the value. Bro, I'm, not, I'm not even joking, mate. Like now we're getting kids turning up and they're like, for the value selection. And they, bruv, I'm attracting the people that are a resemblance of me. And I know, and I, and I, bruv, I'm so much more than a coach. I'm not just there to teach them. Like, I've got my guys now investing in IPOs, like, trying to build up their life outside. I'll give them books to read. Like, being a teacher in someone's life, you've got to be more than, You're more like than a mentor, just. aren't you? Yeah. And, and, and that's a fire. I just think this is what I always wanted someone to do for me. And now I'm doing it. Like, honestly, I could not be more proud of my team. The energy is unreal. And, some of them aren't the most talented, but I know that will come. Mm-hmm. Like, I was never the most talented, bruv. Like, in the Paris, I was bottom half of the Paris. I weren't the fittest. I was always getting pushed up the fucking hill. Get to the front. I'm like, fuck you. Like, mm-hmm. dying. But <laughs> I think, like, I've always been in the discomfort my whole life. And I've always put myself where I shouldn't be. So I'm always at the back. Yeah. yeah. You've always, my, and you've always given 100%. Yeah. And then my resilience has got me there. Like, I look now, people who were better than me then, they're like, I'm, I'm better than them now because mm. I've stuck it consistency right and now they're like man you, that. you done it and I think and that's what I want to show my boys and I'm just like, like I do I, I love my boys I think I think they're great and uh, honestly bro when you see the energy and, and there's some names that are on my team now uh, already that are doing good things and I just think even the even the ones mate 
that literally he was like, mate, but smashed the selection, breezed it, like easily. And and I'm like, but you're everything this team needs. And as long as you give me 100%, I'm giving you 100%. And it may take you 10 years to get to UFC and him too, but I'll be there in 10 years with you. I'm, mate, I'm, I'm excited to see some of these come through. And they will. And Sounds good. We got two, we got, we just got two other lads that one lad has just been nonstop. Oh, I just want to, can I can't? And he, he actually said this this week, he was like, oh, you got this sparring going, Sonny, can I come? And I was I'm glad you mentioned that because I actually was going to invite you because your commitment. He bought a gi straight away. He's up all the kickboxing. He's there he's, and he's good. And I'm like, you've got a selection coming up. Yeah, he said, I'm ready now. And this other guy is the same. And I'm like, so these next two, persona that selection for them. And we see how they get on because they may not just be ready. When they get tested, challenged mentally, Might be do they cheat? Do they quit? And the thing is, I know if they cheat, we had one guy cheat in the ice bath. Well, it's funny as hell. He's outside, right? <laughs> First one, <laughs> you know, day one, like that. <laughs> Bro, you can see him like getting in that, like, fuck. Next day, he's in a bathtub. He's like, Bro, if I look in the bath, there's no ice. Like, it's just melted. <laughs> and he's like, excuse me. He's like, yeah, I didn't want to wake my mum up, so I did it inside. <laughs> and then we called him out. He's like, yeah, like, cheating. And I'm like, bro, the f- worst thing is, and this is what I say to people, it's okay to have those muck-ups. It's okay. Just got to be honest. Be honest. I want integrity. Like, I fucked up. I've let the demon win sometimes. Mm. But be honest about it. Because when you openly talk about it, it makes it easier for you to get around it the next time. When you're feeling down, in my WhatsApp group now, because they're in a special group now, like MMA team, any family problems, any drama, men, we can talk. And we all talk. We've had, we had a guy open up. He's been depressed, yeah? And he's been on tablets, like deep depression for the last two years. And at Christmas, he come off them. And he went, guys, I hid it from you for ages. But I'm just letting you know now, I'm coming off them. I feel like I'm ready. This group has really sorted me out. And we're like, bro, you didn't have to go for that alone. We're here for you. Like, all the boys are really tight in it. Like, it's such, bro, it's so amazing to see. And pa- it's their pa- energy. It's a powerful message to finish on as well, that actually. Yeah. Like the talking thing. Yeah. So. Owning it. Like, owning it, isn't it? Yeah, owning it. And, and the moment they speak in the group, like, honestly, the, the group is so powerful. And that's why I protect that group with my heart, mate. And I won't select someone who ain't ready. And I'll be open with them. I'll sit them down and say, you're not ready for the section yet. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't see it now. And it'd be very hard for you, especially having me and you're like, this, say a guy's like 25, 30. It's very hard for him to hear me say to him, your mind is too immature mm-hmm. for martial arts. You, you haven't adapted the way of the martial art life yet. And, and I'll say, listen, I'm not, like, I want you to carry on doing it, but in your time, you're going to be ready. And when you are, I'm going to tap you on the show and say, you're ready for this team. The team needs your energy. But right now, you're, you're doing it all for the wrong reasons. And I, I, I can see that. And I'm not going to fuck up this good energy. And that, that's why I will have like a, a great, trust me, we're going to have a dominant team. I have no doubt, mate. Appreciate you coming down, bro. Thanks for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Please remember to subscribe on your favorite platform and follow the journey on social media.